Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds. Your host today is Dr. Hal Altman and our guest is uh, Dr. Tiffany Buckley. Dr. Buckley has her PharmD from the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. She is a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist and a board-certified psychiatric pharmacist and is on the faculty at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy's course in medical cannabis science and therapeutics. Welcome back, Dr. Buckley. Thank you so much for having me. So our, what we're going to try to do today is to provide uh, an overview of cannabis and psychiatry. And we, we can start this conversation by acknowledging that there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of controversy about the use of cannabis in the different psychiatric clinical states. Our intent is to try to take a look at cannabis, the pathophysiology, if you will, of uh, both endocannabinoids and phytocannabinoids, how they interact uh, with the CNS and the potential clinical implications of that interaction, uh, both for uh, THC as well as CBD. So, Tiffany, why is the endocannabinoid system an attractive target for thinking about psychiatric disorders? Yeah, great question. So mental health disorders, they are super common and they cause a really significant burden. If we've seen anything with the pandemic, we've really now, now mental health has kind of more of a spotlight where people are seeing just all the harms that are caused from it. The etiology of these mental health disorders is really complex, but we know that it can involve factors like genetics or psychological factors, things that happen in the environment and also neurobiological factors. So the endocannabinoid system, because it can actually modulate neurotransmission is a really attractive target to potentially treat and manage some of these psychological disorders. When we are treating with traditional pharmaceutical medications, psychiatric disorders, we do that by trying to alter neurotransmission within the central nervous system. And we know that endocannabinoids can do that. It makes it really exciting to be able to potentially have another modality that could play a role with with psychiatric illness. So in the past, on these podcasts, we have talked about the role of uh, endocannabinoids, the ECS, uh, in terms of homeostasis in uh, maintaining uh, health, whatever the organ system is. What's the, uh, the theory on how the ECS modulates 
emotions and the, uh, the different functions within the central nervous system? Yes. So, so the endocannabinoid system is a neuromodulatory system, which means that it can actually change the process of neurotransmission. So when we actually look at our central nervous system and peripheral nervous system, we see that there are actually endocannabinoid receptors present in many different brain cells. So they're in neurons, which are our primary signaling unit, and they're also in different glia cells. In the central nervous system, for instance, the most predominant G-coupled protein receptor is actually the CB1 receptors. So this really shows that these endocannabinoids are having a huge role in modulating how neurotransmission occurs. Okay, and so the theory is that at least uh, uh, some of these illnesses, clinical conditions are the result of an aberration in the, the tone, if you will, of the ECS and the endocannabinoids. And the theory is that by introducing exogenous cannabinoids, uh, i.e. phytocannabinoids, that we would be able to reestablish that equilibrium. Correct. So maximizing our exogenous cannabinoids, those could then allow us to target different neurobiological functions in the central nervous system. So endocannabinoids primarily act as a negative feedback mechanism. So they're able to thought to be able to slow neurotransmission in ways. So they're inhibitory uh, by nature and the, the particular neurotransmitter that uh, they affect or is at least somewhat determined by their location within the CNS. Is that correct? Correct. So as I was kind of mentioning before, we have our CB1 receptors, and those are going to be the most abundant G-coupled protein receptors in the brain. So these, what we actually see are that these CB1 receptors, they can be on the terminals of neurons that are going to secrete various different neurotransmitters. So GABA, which is kind of responsible for slowing everything down, they can be on those terminals as well as glutamatergic terminals, which are going to be more speeding kind of everything up. We see them on terminals for that of neurons that release dopamine and acetylcholine and norepinephrine, as well as serotonin. So all these major neurotransmitters are, that transmission is going to be able to be modulated by endocannabinoids acting at these CB1 receptors. Right. That is, the CB1s are related to THC uh, and the other THC-like endocannabinoids. They're also is had been reported uh, a role for CBD in the treatment of some psychiatric illness. How does that system differ from the traditional ECS and CB1? Yes. So 
THC is thought to be a partial agonist at CB1 receptors. So that means that it's exerting a little bit of activity there. So if THC binds to a CB1 receptor, then it can basically make that neuron stop secreting the specific neurotransmitter. So that can have a, a lot of effects. Um, CBD, on the other hand, its mechanism of action isn't completely understood. So there's still a lot to be determined there, but that is the non-intoxicating component of cannabis. And it's thought to work by a whole bunch of different mechanisms. So one that is potentially important is that it's thought that it can stop the breakdown of an andamide, which is a um, endocannabinoid that is already present in your system. And when it does that, that can have some effects in terms of maintaining more endocannabinoid tone by slowing neurotransmission more. And this mechanism is actually really important in psychosis. But there's also thoughts that CBD can also interact with numerous receptors like serotonin receptors. And that's where we might see some of the anti-anxiety effects as well as opioid receptors and various different cation channels inside of the body. So uh, obviously uh, a very complicated system. We probably have more questions about the system at this point than, than answers, but lots and lots of room for uh, research and how THC and CBD affect the brain. And then once we solve that, we have a hundred other different minor cannabinoids or potentially uh, psychoactive agents that we would have to think about as well. So there are years and years of research for people who are interested. Dr. Buckley, I, we appreciate that sort of overview and, if you will, uh, the pathophysiology set up for clinical conditions that we're going to talk about. I'd like to invite you back so that we can talk more specifically about the clinical conditions, and we will most likely break that into the examination of cannabinoids and their effect on psychosis, and then the non-psychotic conditions that, uh, that people have heard about, like anxiety, uh, depression, and sleep. Again, many thanks for joining us. We appreciate your listening, and we will see you back next time. Thank you. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.